Chapter 17 Perception Overthinking, overplanning. Is it really worth getting close to the water now before he even starts feeling thirsty? Yes, Cam, it is. Get it over with now while the coast is clear. As if to excise his hesitation, Cam sighs sharply once. Cam walks to the river, tiptoeing the last few yards. He cranes his neck to see into the water from as far away as possible. Once he's positive that there aren't any hounds nearby, that tentacles aren't going to shoot up from the river and suck him in, he approaches and tests the water. It's cool and clean. He takes several big gulps, forcing down much more than his body requests. Then he pulls the carrots from his pockets and rinses them in the river, scrubbing them with his hands. After turning out his pockets to remove dust and dirt, Cam stuffs the carrots back in, feeling their moisture blossom across his upper thighs. As Cam stands up, he glances upstream, toward the forest. Not too far from him, there looks to be a break in the undergrowth on his side of the river, a spot where the saplings and bushes have been cleared away. A riverside camp, or perhaps a landing point for boats? A quick pros and cons analysis tells him to get there by walking along the river. That way he can be sure he won't get lost or miss the potential camp, and he'll be able to see hounds coming before they emerge. It's not like they had a hard time sensing me when I was far away from the water anyway. Cam enters the forest, keeping one eye on the river the whole time. Under a thick layer of small plants, the ground is littered with sticks and jagged rocks. Isn't that kind of weird for a forest? Jagged rocks? Trees obscure Cam's vision on most sides, but he can see along the riverbank. That camp or dock is close now, and Cam heads for it, scooping up some sticks and a pair of small rocks along the way. He bundles them with his weapons, holding everything in front of him, a kit for making a campfire. Better make it clear I come in peace, he figures. A few paces later, Cam spots a path running diagonal to his approach, ending at the river. He freezes. The path is coated in a brown, translucent ooze. For a moment, Cam wonders who or what poisoned this path, and whether they did it deliberately. But then the question changes. The poison is the path, as evidenced by the chunky layer of dead plants underneath the slime. A black leather backpack sits in the ooze with the straps askew, as if someone had flung it away in a hurry. Okay, let's think about this. Putting his bundle aside, Cam pulls the carrots from his pockets and sits down cross-legged, mostly out of sight of both the path and the river. He starts eating as quietly as he can, leaving long pauses between bites to listen hard for anything that could be sneaking up on him. This ooze could be how octopus hounds eat. Cam thinks, recalling the autopsies he performed in the meadow. They'd be the most murderous herbivores I've ever seen, but it would make sense. No orifices. Plants broken down and digested through the skin somehow. But why would they eat in a line like this, making a path? Asks a second voice in Cam's head. If they live in the water, it seems like it'd be quicker for them to eat along that. A path like this is harder to find, though. Maybe that's the point. Hiding their presence... Or their numbers? Of course, this would mean that the hounds have something to hide from, or that there are a lot more hounds than the duo Cam killed.
Could they move in packs? Schools? That's why we're sitting over here. Cam congratulates himself grimly. He hunches down a bit, adding to his cover. So, let's see. Person with backpack finds hound path. Hound path is frequented by hounds. Hounds spot person. Person runs. Where? Probably in a random direction, as far from the path as possible. That's what I'd do. Then again, the path does confer a major benefit. Visibility. Whereas Cam's eyesight is blocked by plants in most directions, it runs across the ooze unimpeded. Just as walking along the river lets Cam see the hounds when they see him, he wonders if it might be better to sight down the path for them, rather than trying to outsneak animals that probably have better senses than he does. With the carrots gone and a decision made, Cam recovers his bundle and walks it over to the hound path. There he places everything back on the ground and draws a single stick. He pokes the ooze with the stick. It's viscous. After Cam removes the stick, the hole it made takes several seconds to fill back up. Cam touches the end of the stick to the back of his left wrist, putting a drop of ooze there. He pivots toward the river, ready to sprint over and submerge his hand if needed. But nothing happens. No burning, stinging, or blistering. Cam wipes the ooze off on his clothes. Next, he dips the toe of his shoe into the ooze on the ground. It doesn't appear to damage the shoe. As Cam looks up, he notices that on the back of his wrist, where he touched the ooze to his skin, there's a fine layer of dead skin cells, flaky dandruff. He wipes it off. Let's not touch this stuff again, he thinks. Doesn't seem slippery enough to cause problems, but I should be careful anyway. After collecting his items again, Cam slowly crosses the path, keeping his feet as level as possible. Only the rubber soles of his shoes touch the goop. Once he makes it to the other side, Cam wipes his shoes on the ground as best he can, pulls the backpack over, and then he settles down next to it. He rubs it against the ground to get the ooze off. The backpack is light, probably empty, so Cam tries to preempt disappointment by reminding himself how useful this item will be. In Cam's normal life, bags are more ubiquitous than food and water. Plastic bags everywhere, given away freely, urban tumbleweed. Bags designed to decompose, to unburden us from their existence. Bacteria engineered to eat bags, a bag full of bags in every kitchen, a lost spinning continent made of bags. Here though, a bag would be rare and valuable. And a backpack? A sturdy leather backpack with straps and drawstrings, perfect for toting supplies? That could let Cam cheat death in comfort and style. With this in mind, Cam opens the backpack. Hmm, what are you? He says to a small ornament at the bottom of the bag. It's a square made out of a dark, stone-like material, roughly one inch on its sides and less than a quarter of an inch wide. There's also a pencil and a scrap of paper. The pencil, eraserless, looks somewhat new, but all in all, the three objects seem useless, the forgotten refuse at the bottom of a bag that's never cleaned. At least, 
That's what Cam thinks until he sees what's on the paper. It's a series of combinations. Circle, circle, circle. Circle, circle, square. Circle, circle, triangle. Circle, square, circle. Circle, triangle, circle. And so forth. About ten combinations are fully visible, and a few more are running off the paper's torn edges. Almost all of them are crossed out with a scribbled X. Only one is not. This one has been circled enthusiastically. Square, square, triangle. Going from top to bottom. Only the tip of the triangle is visible above the tear in the paper. For the sake of thoroughness, Cam tries looking at the paper every which way, challenging his own assumptions about how it should be read. Can you go this way? He asks, rotating the paper 180 degrees. This way? Maybe? Or this way? But only the first orientation, with square square triangle top to bottom, feels right. Yeah. Whenever you see equilateral triangles as symbols, they're drawn with a point on top. Plus, he rotates the paper to its original position, noting the systematic way the combinations are listed. Start with circles. Circle, circle, circle. Try every possibility in the number three slot. Circle, circle, square. Circle, circle, triangle. Then the number two slot. Then the number one slot. And so forth. That's how I'd brute force it. Whatever it is. Cam doesn't expect to make sense of this in the forest. After migrating his supplies to the backpack and tying some sticks to its top, Cam slips it on and stands up. He keeps his garden hoe and one of the tentacle blades on hand, and he starts walking beside the path of brown ooze, being careful not to get too close.